this is our fur, full official run. Okay. We uh we did a rehearsal just the other night. Yes. But then someone said That's not what happened. Someone did say I don't know anything about that. Here's what I do know. You forgot to hit record and we talked for a half hour like a bunch of assholes in the kitchen. Because you literally forgot to hit, hit record. The one thing, that is the only thing you have. Hi. This is What Do? The business podcast for serious business people. I'm Tom McCoy. With me today is Asterius Kokonos. Hi, Asterius. Yo, what's going on? Yo. What, uh, so you voted for the Red Bull for the chili? Yes, the Red Bull was great. What won you over? Um, I liked that it had just a little bit of spiciness. It made me feel like I wasn't being a real baby about spice. But if it was any spicier, I would have been like, this is too spicy. This is not enjoyable. It had like a nice, it was just, just enough spice. But the other one had really good beef. No, the other one was too meaty to the point where I was like, I think I'm just eating a bowl of steak and gravy. There wasn't enough spice to go with it. And I was like, I like this. I like steak. But the other one tasted more like chili. That's my, well, the other one tasted more like a stew. And look, you think I'm here to talk shit about stew? Really? That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here for talking shit about stew. It's amazing. You, because here's, here's all you need to do with stew. Just put a bunch of shit in a pot and like kind of hope things work out. And if not, you can throw the pot away. The whole pot, though, because a lot of the, there's a lot of like fungus and bacteria. Forever. Yeah, I can't. There's no there's no coming back for some of these stews I've made. I'm telling you right now, I've lost a lot of good pots. I've lost a lot of good pots on the quest for stew. Um. More spice, maybe more vegetables. Something to break up all that meat. It tasted like somebody put a steak in a blender. And again, I'm here for that. I just don't think that's chili. I think that's stew. Or, hmm, wait a minute. Is that pate? It is. It has that. It had a very pasty texture. There you go. Case closed. All right. What are your thoughts on like seasoning? What is the line between seasoning and something to clean off? You know, I have no fucking idea. Here's my favorite kind of seasoning. You go down to the grocery store and you look up a thing that's like Emerald Mexican blend or like Emerald Southwestern shaker. Siesta. I'm sorry. I, I, I know they're both. I mean, I don't really know any of the real like Emerald recipe names. The kicking chicken. Is that a real emerald recipe? I believe that's a real emerald. I had so many of the emerald shakers, and I would just get chicken, and I'd be like, and now emerald will take care of the rest of it. I'd go, bam! I'd throw the, I'd throw the seasoning on. Bam! Now, here's what happened. I didn't really wash my hands a lot in food prep, because I'm like, well, I'm not making this for other people. I'm making this for me. Who cares if I live or die? So what happened a lot was I got a lot of uh, chicken grease in my eye, and it's why... This eye has an albino cornea. That's why they call me a stereo's left eye coconose. You heard it here first, folks. 
So Stereos, yep. we are recording in lovely Tennessee, Pigeon Forge. Near, Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's a great time. One thing I'm curious about is the life of a formerly L.A.-based comedian Yo. and an expert in the marketing world for some of the largest brands. Yeah. Correct. You want to know how I'm an expert in the marketing world? How's that? For some reason, you think I'm an expert in the marketing world. I am not an expert in the marketing world, but clearly I'm pretty good at marketing if I've marketed myself into making you think I'm an expert. So that's the first thing you got to learn about marketing, kids. Lie. Lie until it becomes true. Don't ever stop lying. Number two, um, like let's say you're very attractive. That helps. Pretty people. Pretty people are great. They're just like little mobile works of art, walking around, looking all cool and nice. You ever go to that bar in L.A. where they just put models in like a fish tank? No. And what is it called? The Standard? Yeah, there's like a tank where they'll be like, yeah, we got a model in this tank. And they just like read a book or do their taxes or something. They're, but they're, what they're kind of saying is like, uh, uh, we have uh, we installed a person as part of our aesthetic. And so, well, fuck, I'll go. The one time I went, though, there was no model in the tank. There was just an empty tank. Oh. I don't know what I was expecting on a Sunday night, but it was not that. Huh. So, Yo. describe the makeup of a team. Okay, well, you got a bunch of people who don't really get paid a lot of money at the bottom. And it's their job to, like, grind themselves into the dirt and just produce pages and pages of ideas. And then someone up the chain who, like, knows the difference between a good idea and a bad idea will be like, I like this one and this one and this one. And they'll work on them with the kids. And they'll put something together for like another guy up the chain. And they'll be like, what do you think? And the guy will be like, eh, maybe change this, this, this. But I like this, this, this. And eventually, the whole goddamn thing will go in front of the client. Like if it's, uh, you know, a mustard company or if, or if they make ranch dressing or whatever the fuck. And you go to the client and you traditionally bring like three ideas. Because like three is a nice round number. No one wants to sit through a long meeting. If you go to a meeting, you're like, oh, we got three ideas. They're like, okay, I can sit through that. Anything else, though, holy fuck. Worst is when you're pitching and people start looking at their like email. And I'm like, you know, I'm uh, one foot away from you. I just want to remind you that uh, it's not like I'm on stage and you're in the audience. Uh, I could, I'm one foot from you. And I'm seeing what you're doing. I'm sure the, I'm sure the email is important. I'm just saying, this is a little goofy to me. And then... Client will come, they'll have a couple of notes, they'll have a couple of notes, and then you'll, then you'll just fucking do it. And it's kind of like, that's really what advertising is. There's, there's like a million different titles. You know, um, art director, designer, senior art director, junior art director, associate creative director, creative director, um, global creative director, executive vice president, senior vice president, junior vice president, regular vice president. It's like... And all these titles are pretty meaningless because at the end of the day, it's kind of like, what can you convince a guy who is hiring you that you can do? Because like, if you can convince them that you can do it, they will hire you. And then you got to go do it. But so much of it is just like meaningless. It's just like these titles are all, it's, it's like a global creative director like in in like certain situations has no more job safety than like some than like a fucking design intern you know like some of these places it's just like a fucking meat grinder 
And like they'll bring somebody in at a ridiculous title and then get rid of them two weeks later. You know, because that's the thing about ultimately the thing about advertising is that you're kind of auditioning people for almost like a theater troupe. You know? Okay, so you have auditions. Well, like let's say you want, let's say you got a sketch comedy troupe. You want a person. You'll have auditions. You know, let's say you got you want an advertising job, you got an opening. Okay. You put, you send out a call for resumes. You interview people or you audition people. They both involve you in a room with them talking to them and them kind of sh showing what they can do. And then, like, I don't know, sometimes you hire somebody and a couple of weeks in, it's just like, this is bad. And then sometimes the same thing with theater. Like, sometimes you bring on an actor and you're like, you know what? Now that I'm hanging out with you eight hours a day, this is terrible. This is just terrible. And so a lot of advertising is just, yeah, a lot of it is just, uh, a lot of advertising is just because um, you're sometimes you're in the room with these people for uh, seven days a week. So one of the like key traits of a good worker in this field is just being tolerable. Yeah, it's honestly and I, I swear to God when I say this, it's the most important thing in any creative job is to be tolerable. That's it. You wonder why certain creators keep getting swings at the bat like you know, why does like M. Night Shyamalan get to make like seven bombs in a row? Here's my guess. Like he was not, he was pretty easy to work with, with the studios and he would generally give into their notes and he would not really cause that much of a fuss. And because they're making horror, maybe they had low budgets anyway. You know, um, people could always be like, yeah, but science was good. It's like, yo, science was eight movies ago. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. It's like, that's the, the only way to stay employed in any creative in any creative field is to not, because it's like, what if you had to spend your weekend with this person, and what if you weren't getting paid overtime? You know, because these are salaried positions. Like, what if you were just, what if you're trapped with this douchebag? Like, what if they don't shower? You know what I mean? What if they eat weird lunches and they bring weird lunches and they stink shit up? Ugh. You know, what if they're the only smoker? Unfortunately, for the only smoker, like you're the one that smells like cigarettes. Everybody else. No offense, smokers. I like cigarettes myself. But I'm just saying, you know, you never know. You never know when it'll set off a group. And when it's like nine on one. So like, yeah, you got to be somebody who is positive and is bringing solutions. And if you can do that and be cool or at least be like quiet, then like it be, be cool fine. or be quiet. Yeah, it's like we're just yeah, because yeah, it's like because who the hell knows, man? It's um. But that's what's up. That's like pretty much advertising. Like it's just, um, I think something that's kind of important is, you know, a lot of brands like, well, they're come, they're not just, they're not deciding to spend like a hundred million dollars on commercials because it's fun to spend a hundred million dollars. Like they got like a goal. They're like, we want to sell more Mountain Dew in Tennessee. You know, they're, they're like, we want to sell more Brillo, pa uh, Brillo pads. Uh, we want to sell more like smaller boxes of built of Brillo pads and we'll say they have a super soap on them. And it's like, so you got to fucking advertise it. There's always like some angle to like why someone's advertising. Cause think of like, I was thinking about this the other day. Like you got to think about X lax. Like, when was the last time you saw a commercial for X lax? I don't know if I ever have. Y have you ever seen like a banner ad for X lax or like an X lax ad in the newspaper? No, we, I just trust it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's up. x does not need to advertise because everybody knows it works. 
So it's like if you're advertising, like you're advertising to sum things up because you want something. And so it's kind of like the the goal of advertising is like, well, how do I get what my client wants to happen? And it's like if you can do that, awesome. If you can't. Prove then, that you did. Yeah, exactly. If you can, you can probably make some make up some reason with bullshit analytics. But like um, it's about taking these swings. And so much of it, it's like, you know, before any of us like assholes get in a room and like try to write a commercial or something, there's a dude called a strategist and he's like talks to the client or she's talked to the client a million fucking times and they've come up with their goal. We we need to raise you know, they could say like, ah, there's a fucking there's a spike in in off label forget the name of it but like you know when like cvs makes its own brand of of aspirin oh yeah what's that called like brown label blue label i mean, i forget but uh but but like you know like like let's say like ah, i don't know someone's losing share sell share to an in-house brand you know like like 7-eleven starts selling popcorn 7-eleven brand popcorn well that's less that's less shelf space for frito-lay or somebody else so let's say frito-lay starts to freak out because they're like oh shit we're losing we're losing space share in 7-Elevens, the largest convenience store chain on planet Earth. How do we? How can we fucking make ourselves as profitable with less shelf space? Like that's the fucking problem. And then once you know what the problem is, it's like okay, let's say on the corporate side, they introduce a solution. We found a way to put like some caramel on Fritos, and but we're doubling the price. Like, here's the solution. We like we found we're calling them we're calling them creamy caramel fr- no, not creamy, that sounds disgusting. We're calling them we're calling them caramelized Fritos. No, that sounds gross too. We're calling them Fritos Carmelitos. Oh. We're calling yeah, we're calling them Fritos Carmelitos. And uh it it costs us two more cents to make. We can double the sticker price. And it's like now, now, okay, that's our solution. It's fucking problem. Now go sell Fritos Carmelitos. I'll be like, I don't know. What about uh, where in the world is Carmelito San Diego? It could be a, it's a Carmel San Diego. She's made it from these caramel covered Fritos, and maybe we hide car, maybe we hide solid gold caramel covered Fritos all around the world. You got to follow a series of geography quizzes, and it's like a real life hunt. And whoever gets the caramel covered Frito bag. Captures Carmen San Diego, gets a hundred thousand dollars in cash or a lifetime supply of carbon covered Cheetos. In the end, we like give them both because it's like it's fun. It's like a lifetime supply of that is probably like three thousand dollars worth of goods. Cause it's like, well, lifetime supply. Well, what's the fucking well, what's the daily recommended dosage of uh Fritos? Uh a bag, maybe? Okay, so 365 days a year. Okay, so that's thirty-five dollars. <laughs> it's like okay, and you're gonna live uh you're gonna live to be. Let's say you live to be 120 on Fritos. On fr- on Fritos, and you're gonna go bag these a day. Okay, so it's like five grand. Okay, here you go. Here's a lifetime supply of Cheetos, Carmelitos, and it's like that's ever- literally everything I just did is kind of like that's just that's how advertising works. And do you set up? Have you ever been involved in those like sweepstakes? <clears throat> uh, I like. I don't want to get too far into like any specific projects that I may or may not have worked on. Of course. But I'm just saying like generally it's like it's like you start with a business problem. <laughs> We're fucking up at 7-Eleven. You, you, you get a business solution. This is fucking these are chips. 
Now you got to sell the solution, baby. Sell, sell, sell. And that's where marketing comes in. We tell the world that there's new chips, glorious new chips. You better try them or what's wrong with you. Hey, we made a, we made a chicken sandwich where the bun was chicken. You're not going to try this once? You got to try this once. Don't be an idiot. Novelty. Like, that's the thing, ultimately, that, like, drives sales in CPG. Fucking novelty. What the fuck is a Tide Pod? It's probably a way to sell half as much Tide. Like, oh. yeah? yeah? That's what I'm going to guess. That's what I'm going to guess a Tide Pod is, ultimately. Uh, but they're very pretty, and people like, and I hear they're delicious. And it's like, boom, Tide's profitable again. You know? It's great. Right. So were your comedian and entertainer muscles flexed during this? Is it similar to being able to like read a room and uh, tell where the audience is headed? Well, it's like it's tough because you got to read a room, but you also got to move the room. It's it's like you got to find a way. You got to find a thing in the middle because like if you, it's like you're not there to play the audience like like the audience is not there to play you like you're there to play the audience. And so um. It's like, it's your job to tell them what's funny, like not ask them what's funny. And it's the same thing with marketing. It's like, it's your job to get them in a room and to use all your experience and, and backed by data science, like proposals and just fucking get in there and, and bring them a solution to their real business problem that you really think will work. And if you do that, everybody fucking wins. They're selling more product which means they can pay for you. You can ask for more money in the next annual budget, expand on existing campaigns, introduce new campaigns, new products are introduced all the time. Let's advertise those, you know, Hey, as long as we're doing your, as long as we're doing your TV, why don't we do your billboards too? You know, you could save a little bit of money if you rolled up these two things, you know, we can do YouTube as well. Like here's a fun thing we can do. We can shoot a TV commercial on the end we can save just an hour to shoot a silly YouTube thing there. I've doubled the amount of content I'm making. All you got to do is you got to give me your YouTube business. And then the client will go with whoever is making the most money. That also is easy to deal with. Because at some point, even if the person is making you a lot of money, you're like, yeah, but uh, life's too short. Earlier on, you mentioned auditions. Oh, yeah. Is How do you get your foot in that kind of industry? Is it like a spaghetti at the wall? Oh, my God. There's, there's like a million fucking entry-level jobs. The problem is this. A lot of the entry-level jobs don't pay anything. So you got to come from like an upper-middle-class family or above because you essentially got to ha you have to be able to work for free. So like, well, where are you going to live? How are you going to eat? You have to have like a family. So like with a lot of these internships, and look, I know they've changed the laws now, obviously, but like uh, with a lot of like a lot of marketing entry level jobs do not pay enough to support where the jobs are. You know, it's like the jobs are in these cities and these cities are fucking expensive. And so, um, and so it's like, it's like yet another way that the middle class is subsidizing a corporation. Like we are literally mommy and daddy are paying for Susie to go, to go to Citibank camp. Like what the fuck is You're happening? You're being paid an experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, I had a lot of internships. Um, yeah, because I was lucky. I was from a middle class family, so like, I could afford to do some of that shit. But um, but now I'm just like, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible.
So you wouldn't recommend uh, a bright-faced young would-be intern from pursuing? I don't know. I'd recommend that you do what you're... I'd recommend that you do what you're going to do. The nice thing about design and art direction is that you can show off your ability to draw cool things and make cool art without a client. Like, a, with a, for a copywriter, it's difficult because it's like... Well, how do you go out there? How do you cut your teeth as an advertising writer before somebody gives you an advertising job? Like, you can start doing stand up before you're paid for it. You can start playing music before you're paid for it. What the fuck are you going to make an advertisement for? The sky? Like, what are you going to do? So, there's like websites like Behance, B E H A N C E. I think it's owned by Adobe. Like, Behance is apparently this thing where like you can upload your portfolio. And there's like, I know there's a lot of websites like that too where they're like, ooh, there's a cool portfolio of the day. Um, so, I mean, you know, if somebody is looking to kind of get their feet wet, I might recommend that they just go take a look at a bunch of fucking portfolios because it's free and you can do it from your goddamn phone. Well, I'm sorry, buddy, but I got to go to bed. I'm real exhausted. Is that okay? That was great. Serious. Okay, thank God. I'm, uh, I'm pretty intoxicated, guys, and I've been doing my best. But how long have we been going for? About 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Give me the exact time we've been going for. Oh, 24 minutes. Yeah, exactly, which is almost 30. So I guess what I'll say about advertising is, in the words of John Advertisingo, the father of advertising, hey, if you have to... if. <laughs> If it's worth that, if it's worth making, it's worth advertising. There you go. Now, what's that an advertisement for? Advertising. What's advertising? It's like a way to give a bunch of people money and then hope you get it back. What if you don't? Uh, that's the problem. It's risky. You can write it off. Yeah, you can write it off. But man, advertising's risky. And everybody's becoming more and more risk averse. Like, there are in house creative agencies now at brands you know um i think i think colgate has a little in-house advertising agency called like red cap because of like the red cap on a tube of colgate or crest or whatever i don't know the specific brand but it's like uh well hey they just kind of found a way to cut out the middleman didn't they like now instead of paying a gigantic retainer to an advertising agency you just hire a couple of more employees and you work them into your 401k. You work them into your existing health insurance system. You know where to get them in office. And if you want to fire them, you can fire them. If you want to fire everybody one day, you can fire everybody one day. It's super. You're not like on the hook for like millions of unpaid dollars on some contract. Like they work directly for you. Now, of course, that can also lead to problems. You know, the famous Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad, is it? Yep. Where like she's like trying to make peace between uh ruthless minority beating cops and literal Antifa. Um, that was made by their Pepsi's in-house advertising agency. Now, a good reason to have an advertising agency as your client is this. You can fire them and your job is safe. They they're like a bulletproof vest for corporate America because Whoever made that Pepsi ad, the next day he came in, he did not have a job. He did not have a job. Like, 
And like, I don't know that for a fact, obviously. I'm just saying, like, holy shit. Who the hell are you going to blame, Pepsi? Because the thing is, if your advertising agency makes some shitty commercial, you can make a big show in the press. Like, we're firing them. This ad did not meet our standards. And it's like, I mean, it did, though, because you approved it. Like, yeah, it definitely did. You approved the ad. It didn't get on the air by magic. But <clears throat> so ultimately, that's why it's important to have an advertising agency. Because we can hide your failures, and you have them. And other people are going to use them and exploit them. Why don't we work together and cover up all of our failures? Advertising. All right. Thank Stereos Coconuts. Thank you. Thank you very much. Patreon.com slash Stereos. That's me. Goodbye. We'll see you. NT. All right. I got to find a Diet Coke or something, lab.